Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Live from our WSBT Radio studios in downtown South Bend. Let's go! Come on! Ah! Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Wow, don't blink. A lot of major intestinal fortitude going on here. On your home for Notre Dame football. Knocked down by Wooden. The game is over. The Irish has upset Florida State. Notre Dame is number one. And Notre Dame basketball. Everyone right here. Plus fighting Irish hockey. They score! Jake Evans scores! Notre Dame, 3.7 seconds away from a spot in the national championship game. The NFL and Major League Baseball. Oh my gracious, how about that? Sports Radio 960 WSBT, WSBTradio.com. The free WSBT radio app. Big time budgets. Now, here's your host, seven-time Associated Press Broadcasting Award winner, Darren Pritchett. Great to be with you on this Tuesday, October the 4th of 2022 on Budweiser's weekday sports beat from Sports Radio 960 WSBT streaming live at wsbtradio.com and on our free WSBT radio app. My name is Darren Pritchett, sunshine, 71 degrees in downtown South Bend, Indiana, on this Tuesday, October the 4th of 2022. Looking good tomorrow, partly cloudy, a high of 73. Thursday, a chance of showers, high of 70. And then we really cool off Friday and Saturday, high of 52 Friday. Saturday, 55, Sunday, 60, then back up to 68 next Monday. Two hours of Budweiser's weekday sports beat is coming your way here on WSBT Radio. And coming up on the program, we've got our Twitter question of the day, and it's centered around another Shamrock Series game for the Fighting Irish. We'll take a look at the Fighting Irish wide receiving core. Is it going to be the same old guys doing the same old things this Saturday? Are there some other players that might get a chance to contribute at wide receiver this Saturday? We'll try to get into that conversation in just a little bit. On this Tuesday, our My 5 question of the day, five things you need to know about Saturday's opponent, the BYU Cougars. In the 6 o'clock hour, it's Tuesday, so we're talking Notre Dame football recruiting. 
with the expert from Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com, Mike Singer. We'll take a look at the now-completed week four of the National Football League. We've got some sports wagering to get to. wasn't a great night last night. I told you I didn't really want to pick these games. I didn't have a good feel. I wish I would have just passed at this point, going one and three. But I picked four every day, so I gave it a shot. We've got four baseball picks coming up tonight in our sports wagering segment. We're going to Sizzler on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Well, I will guarantee you this. The reported news by the New York Post that Tom Brady and his wife have hired divorce lawyers have nothing to do with the sound of my voice. I'm not upset. I'm not brokenhearted. It's just been a, a rough week with a chest cold and calling the Notre Dame hockey exhibition game on Sunday really wore down my voice. So kind of paying the price right now. So I do apologize but we'll do our best over the next couple of hours to entertain you, hopefully inform you, have some fun along the way, maybe a chuckle or two as we talk mostly Notre Dame football here on the home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT. I can tell you that as of right now on DraftKings Sportsbook, Notre Dame is now a three-and-a-half-point favorite on a neutral field against number 16, BYU. The Cougars are a 4-1 football team. They last played on Thursday, winning a home game against their rival, Utah State, 38-26. The Irish are a 3.5-point favorite. The over-under total points in the ballgame right now, according to DraftKings Sportsbook, is 52 if you pick BYU on the money line to win the game outright. Pretty good juice, plus 150. If you take the Fighting Irish on the money line at minus 175, that basically means if you wager $50 on the Irish at minus 175, you win your 50 back, and the extra is 28.57. So Notre Dame, a, a pretty solid favorite in this game over BYU. So if you bet 50, you get basically 78.57 or make 28. 57. So right now, apparently a lot of money is coming in on the Irish as that number started at Notre Dame as a one-point favorite, and now it's jumped up to Notre Dame favored by a field goal and a hook. We'll see if more money comes in from the Sharks later on this week, and we'll see how their big bets on this game change the way the number looks going into Saturday night's 7.30 kickoff, South Bend time, a game that you can hear on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. And, of course, our coverage begins at 2 o'clock with the Legacy Heating and Air game day show with Jim and Tim. They'll have a bunch of Notre Dame-related interviews for you. Then Tyler Horka from Blue and Gold Illustrated and I host Game Day Sports Beat, powered by Michelob Ultra from... Four until 6.30, kickoff at 7.30, and Jim comes back with Reggie Brooks for the official Notre Dame football postgame show after the game on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. The first pitch of the first pitch of the night. And we are ready for the first pitch. Into the windup in his first offering. Just a bit outside. He tried the corner and missed. 
Well, the first pitch for you tonight is this. What was real against North Carolina and what wasn't? North Carolina, a Power 5 football team from the ACC, has put up a lot of points this year. And Notre Dame gave up 32 to North Carolina. But it really felt like the Irish did a pretty good job throughout the ball game. There were some late breakdowns, I think it's fair to say, on defense. Allowing Carolina to score a couple of late touchdowns. But in the competitive nature of the ball game, I thought the Irish did a pretty good job. Pass rush, controlling the running game. Well, after playing Notre Dame, North Carolina beat Virginia Tech at home last Saturday, 41-10. to So the Heels, who looked atrocious defensively, the games prior to Notre Dame and against Notre Dame, had a good effort against an offensive challenged Virginia Tech team, and the Heels gave up just 10 points. Worth noting as we start this conversation. So what do we take away from the Carolina game that we believe will carry over from week to week? And what was maybe more on the fake side that it was Carolina being so poor, in particular on the defensive side of the football, that might blind our thinking about a couple of parts of this Irish football team. First, let me start with this. Fighting Irish head coach Marcus Freeman was asked coming out of the bye where he thinks his football team stands right now heading into the final eight games of the regular season. Well, I think, you know, obviously we've been running the ball um, offensively uh, where we want to. We, again, we've always wanted to get better, but we've improved at running the ball. You know, Drew Pine has, has really made some really good decisions uh, as a quarterback in terms of, I've said it to this group in this room and to our team from the beginning of the year, when you have success running the ball, it opens up everything, right? It opens up the pass game. It opens up misdirection. It opens up everything. And so we have to have success running the ball, and that will open up, you know, our passing game. And, and it's been really good to see Drew Pine, number one, make good decisions. Right, and that's the most important thing at the quarterback position. You've got to make the right decision. Two, he's limited his turnovers. He's taking care of the football, and then number three, he's starting to make a lot of plays. And so, it's good to see him and that growth, um, and and that part of our offense. Some guys stepping up um, defensively. We have to, you know, again, there's a series or two, a half that, you know, we're letting teams go down and score and. Uh, and, and one, it could be a big play. You know, North Carolina, the first series of the game, it was quarterback scrambles. And so we have to get those little things fixed, but our defense is playing really, really well. And I love the, the, what Coach Golden is doing with, with the scheme, with, with our staff, um, with those players. They're doing a, a great job. But, you know, obviously the expectation is us to be perfect, and uh, we can't give up a touchdown. And so we're, we're critical in those situations, and they're working tirelessly to improve it. So there was Marcus offering you his thoughts on a couple of parts of this team that are heading in a much better direction. 
Run game improved. Drew Pine making good decisions. The defense, there's that series or two each half where there seems to be some breakdowns and the opposition is putting up points. So what do you think is real from that North Carolina game almost a week and a half ago? And when I say real, to me, I'm saying that what we saw against Carolina is going to carry over for the most part throughout the rest of the year. Now, there might be an opponent that is strong in defending or taking advantage of an area that could hamper Notre Dame's ability to be successful in this area during that game. But overall, we're looking for things that we saw against Carolina that's going to carry over through the next couple of months, wrapping up the regular season. First, I'm going to give Tyler Horka, my colleague on Game Day Sports Beat, Saturdays here on WSBT Radio. He was at the North Carolina game, watched the game from the press box, was at the press conferences after the game. I asked him to offer his opinion on what he believes is real from the North Carolina victory. Here's what Tyler Horka had to say about what's real. How much of what Notre Dame did offensively was, was real against North Carolina. I'm not so sure we know. We're going to have to see this team play a little bit more on that side of the ball to know. What was real was, and I know 32 points isn't going to scream it, but the way the Notre Dame defense flustered one of the better quarterbacks in the country, Drake May, who, by the way, looked really good again mm-hmm. in that win that Marcus Freeman was talking about against Virginia Tech. North Carolina scores over 40 points, and this is a team that Notre Dame held down really well for, for large stretches of that game. Drake May finishes with five touchdowns, but two of those come late, and two of them were really long. So you're looking at a couple plays away from holding that guy who looks like he's, you know, this is just a beginning for him, too. He's going to be very good. So holding them less than 200 yards and, and three touchdowns, which you take that. I think anybody in the country who has North Carolina on their schedule is signing up for, for that against this guy. And, by the way, this is a North Carolina team that showed that it could run the ball mm-hmm. pretty effectively. I mean, they had stretches where they don't have anything, but they have big plays on the ground with the Marion Hampton. And Notre Dame made that guy invisible in that game. So what was real for Notre Dame against North Carolina was the way the defense played. Three more sacks. You saw plenty of TFLs. The defensive line was playing great. Outside of a couple of lapses, the secondary looked pretty good. So only four games in, but I think Notre Dame has played two very good offenses in Ohio State and North Carolina and looked pretty good against both of those. So what was real was absolutely Notre Dame could go into any of its games the rest of the way and try to win a game on its defense. It's done that. It definitely did that against Cal. Tried to do that against Ohio State. Looked pretty good defensively against Marshall as well. And then, uh, again, 32 points. It doesn't scream defensive, uh, you know, powerhouse or or one of the better defensive games that you'll see. But given that it was on the road and given the personnel on the other side, that was real to me was the Notre Dame defense. All right, so Tyler goes with the Notre Dame defense. That was something that was real against Carolina. I have two things that I believe are truly real from that game, and one of those is from the defensive side of the football. I was 
kind of more specific in my answer. I think the defensive line, with the way they have brought more pressure on the quarterback and getting more into the backfield to disrupt plays, is something that we saw against North Carolina. And I am extremely confident that we will see that going forward. I don't care if it's Clemson. I don't care if it's USC. I think this is a part of the football team that has taken huge steps forward since the first couple of games of the year. And I think this is a unit that's heading into a good direction. And I think a direction that most of us felt like was going to be a strength of this football team, the defensive line. They had six sacks against North Carolina. Now, that's not going to happen every Saturday. I don't want to expand the expectations. But it's not always just about sacks. Quarterback pressures, quarterback hurries, those can do damage as well. Riley Mills moving inside to provide more of a a punch for the pass rush. I think that was a significant move made by defensive coordinator Al Golden. And when it comes down to it, the last two ball games, defensive end Isaiah Foskey has looked like an All-American. He has been extremely disruptive. BYU, by the way, they are 38th in the country in sacks allowed, so they're in the upper half of taking care of their quarterback, Jaron Hall. Right now, BYU is giving up 1.40 sacks per game. That will be challenged by this Fighting Irish football team. What also was real from Notre Dame's win over North Carolina? I believe it is the play of the offensive line and the improvement of the run game. No, it's not going to be 287 yards, 5.7 yards per carry each and every week. Carolina was atrocious. And Notre Dame took advantage of a weakness and ran right over Mac Brown's team. If you don't run it well in that game against Carolina, I think we'd all be freaked out. But they did what they were supposed to do. But I think it's also something they can do moving forward against future opponents. Why? First off, I am still a huge believer in the teaching of offensive line coach Harry Heastan. We've lived it in the past. He's back. His techniques, I'm assuming, again assuming, are different than Jeff Quinn's. Maybe there are things that were taught the last couple of years to these players. Those habits maybe had to be broken and the Harry Heastan way had to be installed, which kind of takes a reboot. That's not insider trading. That's a guess on my part. And this offensive line continues to work better as a unit. We have seen Joe Alt, the left tackle, grayed out, according to Pro Football Focus, as the most efficient Notre Dame offensive player three consecutive weeks. Outside of right tackle Blake Fisher, the offensive line participants have been grading out pretty well the last couple of games. I also like What Eli Reardon has done, taking over for Kevin Bauman at tight end, a highly competitive and effective blocking tight end. That is only going to help the running game. You look at what you have in the backfield. No, you don't have your running quarterback, Tyler Buckner, anymore, but you still have 
two running backs I believe that you can count on every single week to provide you excellent running. That is Chris Tyree and Audric Estime. I think Logan Diggs has great potential. He showed it last year. I thought he got off to a sluggish start, then missed a game due to an illness, then came back for North Carolina. But I really like what Estime, and in particular Diggs, I'm sorry, Tyree, has done so far this year. Now, don't be fooled. Clemson is going to be very difficult to run against. If you run against Clemson, you can run against anybody. That's got some NFL caliber defensive linemen that the Irish offensive line is going to have to move and turn in order for the running game to have success. But you look up and down the schedule, I don't think there are many brick walls that the Fighting Irish are going to be facing. That's another reason why. I believe what we saw against North Carolina was real. I think the offensive line and the running game are headed into a very, very good place. Sports Beat here on WSBT Radio, 527 is your time. Darren Pritchard with you. We're talking about what was real and what was fake against North Carolina almost a week and a half ago. Let me go back to my colleague from Blue and Gold Illustrated, Tyler Horka. I asked him what was fake or maybe what was a part or two of that game that could have looked better than it was because Notre Dame was facing North Carolina. Here's Tyler's opinion. It's actually the rushing game for me, and I know people are going to say, what? You've, you've got Audric Estime, you've got Chris Tyree, you've got Logan McDick even. You know, this was a, a big-time facet of that game. Well, you, there's not going to be a whole lot of games the rest of the way where those three guys are not being contacted until they're four or five yards down the field. That's how you run for seven and a half yards for mm-hmm. carry or whatever it was. Is the defense is just getting blown off the blocks, and it, it, it just doesn't look like good football. I was sitting up there in that press box, and I said, man, they're just moving them down the field, and that's not going to be the case in every single game you play. Probably won't be the case against BYU. So for me, it's the rushing game because you go back to the Cal victory, and as good as it looked, and, and it felt like things were starting to click, especially in that second half offensively for Notre Dame. You look at Chris Tyree and and, Lo, or, and Audric Estime, who combined for 35 carries in that game. They still only ran for four yards per carry, so that was almost. We were talking how bad was this Notre Dame offensive line and how bad was this rushing game overall against Ohio State and against Marshall. And, geez, I think against Ohio State it was more like two and a half yards per carry. And then against Marshall it was three and a half yards a carry. Against Cal it was still only four yards a carry. So the anomaly right now is what they did against North Carolina. And I know that's fresh in everybody's mm-hmm. mind. Was, Whoa, 287 yards on the ground. Anybody you gave it to looked really good. At some point, that probably says more about the opposition than it does about yourself. So I, I still need to see more from the Notre Dame ground game, specifically those three running backs. All right. Tyler and I are on opposite ends of that particular storyline. He's still not a believer in the run game. I just talked about how I think the offensive line and the run game heading in a good direction, and I think they will give us some good stuff in the coming weeks. Now, when I take a look back at the North Carolina game, what was fake? What is something that I need to get more information on before I'm convinced this is going to be the norm? And my way of answering that question is this. 
This is more long-term than anything else. But is Drew Pine the long-term answer at starting quarterback? I can't answer that question based on the North Carolina contest. Now, Drew in that game was highly successful. 24 for 34, 289 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. On the season, Pine is at 69.8% for his completion percentage, a terrific number, 459 passing yards, six touchdowns, one interception. In the game against Marshall, his first start, he was not asked to do anything drastic in the passing game. And that's not a negative because Tommy Reese put together a game plan that was good enough to win the football game against Cal. They weren't going to break any school or national records with that game plan, but that's not the goal. The goal is to win the football game. And in that game, Drew Pine... His average pass went 2.8 yards down the field. Now, I don't mean this to sound cruel, but I think we got to be fair that when he completes 14 of his last 15 throws, and most of them are very close to the line of scrimmage, a kid getting a scholarship at Notre Dame to play quarterback should complete that many passes. Let's also praise Drew. He did that against the number 16 pass efficiency defense in the country, Marshall. Now, are they as good as Alabama? Of course not. The numbers probably are not fair. I highly doubt Marshall is that good, although their corners were pretty solid. You look at Carolina. I mentioned the 24 of 34 for 289. North Carolina actually improved by, I believe, Eight spots from last week by playing Virginia Tech. North Carolina's pass efficiency defense improved to number 119 in the country. Still in the bottom third in pass defense in the FBS. That's not enough data, nor good enough competition, to let me know that game one of next year, if there's a quarterback competition between Pine and Buckner, that without a doubt, Definitively, that Drew Pine is the answer at quarterback to be the starter. We're going to have to see him do it against better opponents. That's why I'm not going to jump to conclusions over the first two games. Great start. Doing a great job. Numbers are good. He's 2-0 as a quarterback. The record of a quarterback does not always tell the story, despite how many times Brian Kelly told us Ian Book is the winningest quarterback in Notre Dame history. I think we all know that we put an asterisk by that particular record. So he's doing what he needs to do. I just need to see it against the best competition. And if he does that, then we take that off the I need to see more list and we'll put it into, hey, this is a real category. And this is important because Marcus Freeman and the coaching staff, they need to find out if they need to get a grad transfer quarterback for next year. Or do they have two championship quarterbacks on the roster? Winning quarterbacks, not enough. I don't want to hear about winning quarterbacks. This is Notre Dame in an era where they've been getting to the playoff, unlike a host of outstanding college football programs. This is a program that has made the playoffs a couple of times. 
The goal is to win a championship, and if you don't have a championship quarterback, you're failing your roster. So having two good quarterbacks or winning quarterbacks is not enough. This program needs a championship quarterback, and we need to find out if there's a guy on the roster right now that fits that mold because when they take the field next year, it is go time once again for this football team. So I'm not handing out any awards or saying this guy is going to do this or that the first game of next year at the quarterback position. We're a long way from finding that out. But every week, things get a little better. That's promising. But against the best competition, that's when you find out who's a winning quarterback and who's a championship quarterback. 535 at WSBT. What was real? What was fake? Against North Carolina. They are real and they are fantastic as we found out on Seinfeld a few years ago. All right, we'll take a timeout. We'll come back with our Twitter question of the day next on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. I'm catching on the hosel, right? Yeah, right, right. Moving my head. Yeah. Clearing too early. I'm clearing too late. My swing feels like an unfolding lawn chair. The crowd is just on its feet here. He's a Cinderella boy. Uh, tears in his eyes, I guess. Four, please. Darren Pritchett is now broadcasting. Oh, wow! In your life have you seen anything like that? On Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Budweiser's weekday sports beat on WSBT Radio is brought to you by our title sponsor, Budweiser, the king of beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Football fans, this Bud's for you. By South Bend Orthopedics, team physicians for the University of Notre Dame since 1949. Four Winds Casinos, your entertainment escape, must be 21 years old. Please play responsibly. By Tim Growl State Farm Insurance for surprisingly great rates that fit anyone's budget. Call Tim at 574-232-9981. By Midland Engineering Company, beginning their second century of quality roofing experience, the Mishawaka Education Foundation, granting a better future. Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, serving our community while serving Michiana's most favorite pizza since 1978. Legacy Heating and Air, a Cook family business. The Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Hunger is a story we can end. Find out how at feedindiana.org. And by Pet Refuge, urging you to adopt. Don't shop where new beginnings have happy endings. This is the Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. at WSBT. Our Twitter question of the day can be found during the week on my Twitter account at 960 Sportsbeat. Here's a look back at yesterday's question. How do you look at Saturday's Notre Dame-BYU game in Las Vegas? 
I offered three alternatives. Choice number one, it's just the next game. It's just that simple. Choice number two, this Fighting Irish football team is getting better. They're improved, so it's time to start dominating. Choice number three plays off the conversation we just had in our opening segment. What was real and what was fake from the North Carolina game? So how do you look at Saturday's game? Here's the results of the poll. Coming in a distant third place, it's just the next game. That got 12.2% of the vote. I think that's probably the average fan that doesn't dig deep into the X's and O's or expectations of the team. I think most diehard or aggressive fans don't look at a game as just the next game. There's extra meaning for that next game. Nothing wrong with that choice. Second in the vote, 24.5%. The Irish are improved, they're getting better, and now it's time to start turning the corner and dominating. So that got 24.5% of the vote. But hands down, the easy winner in this vote, how do you look at Saturday's Notre Dame-BYU game? The winning vote got 63.3%. And how do you look at Saturday's game? Well, you want to find out, like I just had a discussion about, what was real and what was fake from that North Carolina game almost a week and a half ago. I'd be curious to know how you look at what's real and what is fake from that particular game. Always feel free to drop me a line when you vote on my Twitter account at 960sportsbeat. Now let's introduce today's question, which is already posted on Twitter at 960SportsBeat. Simple question, two choices. Are you a fan of Shamrock Series games or would you like Notre Dame football to have an extra home game instead? Your two choices, you're a fan of the Shamrock Series game, which is a home game on the road for the Fighting Irish. Or do you feel like that game would be better served to be used at Notre Dame Stadium? Now, the Irish are 10-0 in Shamrock Series games, so it has not affected their win-loss record moving a home game away from Notre Dame Stadium. We'll see if BYU can halt that string. So, how do you look at the Shamrock Series game? Are you okay with it? Are you a fan? Or... Would you like to see that extra home game be used at Notre Dame Stadium instead? I know we're business owners, hotels, restaurants, gas stations. I'm sure I know where they would vote on this particular question. We'd love to get your input. Again, on Twitter, check out my account at 960SportsBeat as we get your thoughts on the Shamrock Series. Worked pretty well for the Irish last year at Soldier Field, taking down the Wisconsin Badgers. Still looking forward to that trip to Lambeau Field, where the Irish will take on what we can say now is a new-look Wisconsin football program with Paul Chris getting fired 
after losing to Illinois on Saturday, Wisconsin, a 2-3 and three football team. 547 is our time. We'll talk about the Irish wide receiver position next on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Listen to Budweiser's weekday sports beat live or on demand with our free WSBT radio app. Just search WSBT radio in the app store and Google play. Now back to local sports talk on sports beat with your host, Darren Pritchett. We continue on this Tuesday evening, 551 at WSBT. Notre Dame football recruiting conversation coming up in the 6 o'clock hour as I visit with Blue and Gold Illustrated's Notre Dame football recruiting insider, Mike Singer. That's coming up here on 960 AM WSBT, streaming live at WSBTradio.com and the free WSBT radio app. All summer we talked about what were the Irish... What are the Irish expectations at the wide receiver position? What should we expect from the wide receiver position? Kevin Austin very easily could still be a part of this football team. He elected to go to the NFL. Probably is not going to turn out as planned. He would be a very nice addition to this football team right now. Not reality. The reality is it is a wide receiver room with not the number of bodies you would like to have you'd like to have a fuller wide receiver room you've had a wide receiver room that has been affected by injuries Deion Colsey had a knee during fall camp Avery Davis of course lost for the season with a torn ACL Joe Wilkins Jr. was coming back from an injury so it's not like this group has been 100% healthy but they have not been 100% effective either. You look at Lorenzo Styles, who we expected to be the team's leading receiver among wide receivers, not beating out Michael Mayer for the lead, but ahead of the wide receiver room. That's playing out. In fact, Lorenzo Styles has more catches than Lindsey, Salerno, and Thomas combined. They have 13. Lorenzo Styles, 16 catches for 221 yards, 13.8 yards per carry. 15 of his 16 catches have occurred over the last three games. The Ohio State game, his number was called on the first play of the year, a catch and run of 54 yards. He was targeted one other time the rest of the game. That was in the third quarter. Braden Lindsey, who's been around these parts a long time, Brian Kelly referred to him last year as a player that it's not going to play 60 snaps a game for your football team. Lindsey came back for another year, seven catches, 69 yards through four games. Matt Salerno, the former walk-on, we see him from time to time on the field, made a great catch against Ohio State, three catches, 42 yards, and the guy with a lot of momentum coming out of fall camp. The coaches praised him. Jaden Thomas, the sophomore, three catches, for 32 yards. We've seen very little of Deion Colsey battling back from an injury during fall camp. 
Tobias Merriweather trying to battle through being a freshman. You got to line up right. You got to do things properly. You have to earn the trust of your coaching staff to get on the field. We can only guess, based on the fact he is rarely out there, that that has not happened as of yet. And Joe Wilkins has been a reserve pretty much the entire time of his career here in South Bend. He has not been given an opportunity to help this wide receiver group. So Marcus Freeman was asked this week, Colsey, Merriweather, Wilkins. Any one of the three, all three close to impacting a wide receiving core that you could argue has not fully gotten the job done so far this year. I think they are. I think they're improving. Um, you know, I, I, the, the biggest challenge for them is to continue to seek feedback. As I've told all three of them, and Joe Wilkins and Tobias and Cozy, if you're not playing as much, you know, we got to continue to get the feedback. We have to continue to be in Coach Stuckey and Coach Reese's office and say, what do I have to do to improve? And that's not just for those guys, but for everybody. Don't ex- – if, if, if what you're getting on the practice field or in the game isn't what you want, don't just accept it. Go seek feedback. Sometimes that's not what you want to hear, right? It's not easy to hear things that you have to improve at. But if you really want to know how to get better and, and to get some of the results that you want, you got to go seek that feedback. But they've been practicing well. Um, you know, Lorenzo Styles has got to get better, you know, and he's been practicing well. And, and Jaden Thomas and, and um, you know, those guys that are playing um, right now, Brandon Lindsay, those wideouts, you know, all have to get better. But you know, I see Tobias improving. I see um, Cozy improving. Joe Wilkins, they're, they're all improving. Um, and what package they'll have or what their um, impact will be on the game is still to be determined. But, you know, all you can ask is the head coaches to see constant improvement out of those guys. If you're playing a drinking game on Sportsbeat right now and the magic word is improved, you're probably laying flat on your back at this particular time because that soundbite was filled with Styles improving, Lindsay improving, Thomas improving, Merriweather improving, everybody is improving. But you know what? The results aren't showing up on the football field consistently. And the young guys aren't doing enough to push their way into more playing time, at least going into the Carolina game and watching the Carolina game unfold. Colsey, Merriweather, Wilkins have not done enough on the practice field to break through to possibly replace a Lindsey or a Thomas. You're not taking Styles off the field. That's a given. But other jobs are up for grabs, but there's a reason why Lindsey and Thomas continue to run out there with this offense. They're doing enough to keep their job, and the other guys are still a work in progress. I mean, Marcus talked about, well, these guys got to go talk to their offensive coaches to find out what's the next step. I would hope that the coaches would be doing that without the players having to go and ask those particular questions. So what about Lorenzo Styles Again, 16 catches for 221. Marcus Freeman on Styles. Yeah, consistency. And, and you know what? Zoe was the player of the game last week. And I'm always going to challenge Lorenzo to continue to be more consistent um, um, in what he does. But he's a heck of a football player that obviously had a big game versus North Carolina that we have to build upon. But with Zoe, it's continue to be consistent, right? Consistent in your the, the details of your routes, consistent in catching the ball, consistent in making sure that you convert the routes that are supposed to be converted. So it's just consistency in what you're doing. 
So as you can tell, there is a lot of room for improvement at the wide receiver position. There was a list of things Styles has to get better at. Lindsey and Thomas continue to beat out anybody that could be trying to take their job. So we're kind of status quo at this particular time. Is status quo going to be enough to beat BYU, to beat Clemson, to beat Syracuse, to beat USC? It can't be all Michael Mayer. It can't be all Lorenzo Styles. I love when Chris Tyree is heavily involved in the passing game. He is a terrific weapon for Tommy Reese and Drew Pine to use. But if this is reality, I would have to imagine it's going to be difficult for this team to run the table to get to a New Year's Six Bowl game, and it's going to be tough to win two out of three against the elite teams on their schedule, BYU, Clemson, USC. I'm not probably willing to put Syracuse, even though they're undefeated in that category as of yet. They are much improved. They've done... Some really good things so far this year, but I don't know if they're on the same level or even close to Clemson and USC. They might be close to BYU. We'll see. But wide receiving core, need more consistency, need to get separation, help out your quarterback, help out your offense, because the running game seems to be coming along. Pass protection has been good. Audrey Kestame, man, I'm telling you what, he's had some really good pass pros helping out his quarterback the last couple of weeks. Now it's on the wide receivers to be, as Marcus Freeman talked about, more consistent and improved. Six o'clock at WSBT South End. By the way, BYU's defense, in case you're wondering, 56th in the country in pass efficiency defense. And BYU has nine sacks over their first five games. That is tied for 83rd in the country and sacks. So they're in the bottom half in the country and pulling down the opposing quarterback. When we come back, we'll get to our My Five question of the day, things to know about Saturday's opponent. Then we'll talk Notre Dame football recruiting with Blue and Gold's Mike Singer. Also, we'll jam in a Sports Center update next from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Touchdown, Chris Tyree! Yes! 98 yards! On Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Wide open, touchdown Notre Dame! Lorenzo Styles. Here's your host, Darren Pritchett. Once again, to talk Notre Dame football recruiting with Mike Singer, the Notre Dame football recruiting insider at Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. Our conversation each week is also available on the Blue and Gold YouTube channel, so make sure you like it and check out all of the great videos that they do throughout the week. And Mike Singer, of course, follows Notre Dame football recruiting as well as anybody on the beat. He's my guy, and I hope he's your guy, too. Good to talk to you, Mike. How are you? Doing great, Darren. It's glad to be on the show this week, man. You spent a little time in Texas this week. There's a pretty good football player that I think it's fair to say Notre Dame is trying to hold on to a commitment in Peyton Bowen. First off, every time I watch one of his highlight reels, Mike, I mean, he always seems to be making an explosive play. So offer a little analysis, your chance to watch him up close and personal. What stood out to you? 
I think they ended up – I left at halftime because Bowen came out of the game <laughs> on that halftime. And it was, I think it was like 42-7 to 7 or something. They ended up winning 56-7. to 7. Um, So got back to the, the hotel and, and got a few hours of sleep before morning flight. But, um, you know, he didn't really get challenged down the field a whole lot. But him as a punt returner is fantastic. Had a um, it was around 65 to 70 yard punt return touchdown um, and a couple of other nice punt returns as well. Darren, I mean, I've been to countless high school football games and I saw something for the first time ever. So he is a punt returner and jukes a couple of guys out. I really thought he could have taken this to the house. A flag gets thrown. And he kind of just – he was maybe about 10 yards from the sideline, and he just kind of jogged and just ran out of bounds. I mean, how often is – like, he – so he saw the flag being thrown, and he knew exactly what it was for. So he was just like, what's the point of running down the field? Uh, so he just jogged out of bounds. Um, and kind of get into what I'm sure you'll ask me next, Marcus Freeman and Chris O'Leary were there as well. I was told that Freeman thought that that was hysterical. He said he's never seen that um, as well either. Um, so that I thought was very interesting. Uh, but yeah, overall, Peyton Bowen, I mean, he's a five-star prospect um, for for good reason, Darren. I mean, he's the number 24 overall player in the country per the on-three consensus and the number two safety. And um, the only safety that's ranked above him is Caleb Downs who I got to see the week before, who's committed to Alabama, was a big Notre Dame target. I think Caleb Downs might be the best pound for pound player in the country. And, and Peyton Bowen is, you know, so not a bad guy to be behind in the rankings. Bowen is a five-star bona fide stud. He can do it all. Um, he did – so with, with Freeman and O'Leary in attendance, Darren, I think he was pressing a little bit. There was one ball that – he was had good coverage on. It was just a perfectly thrown pass, and Bowen got beat, and then you know kind of pushed the kid out of bounds, and then you know drove him to the ground. <laughs> that got called for a flag. Um, you know, there's a couple other times where he hit a kid out of bounds, and like, ooh, that was that probably should have been flagged. And then when he scored on his punt return, he did a little celebrate. I don't even think he should have been flagged for it. Just kind of jumped into the end zone and got flagged. I'm like. Man, he's he was really trying to put on a show for you know for Freeman and O'Leary, which I think there's something you could read into. Like, hey, if he wants to impress, you know, uh, free, th- those two guys, it might be a good sign for Notre Dame trying to keep um, him in the fold. Um, because I'm sure we'll talk about Darren. You know, he's looking at A and M and and Oklahoma, um, so. Yeah, it, it, it's still a battle there. Yeah, Mike, let's go down the road. Just maybe for a fan that doesn't know the backstory, you know, Peyton Bowen is committed to Notre Dame, but SEC schools are still trying to get him out of Notre Dame and bring him into their particular program. Uh, update that, plus the importance of two Notre Dame coaches to be at that game during a bye week. I'll first mention, of course, um, wrote the article on, on Monday, the gold standard. So all of the nuggets talked to so many different people um, when I was at, in Denton, Texas Friday to talk about his recruitment as well as Peyton himself. Um, so I would definitely urge folks to um, sign up at blueandgold.com. I believe that dollar for one year still, uh, excuse me, dollar uh, for one year deal is still going on. So please check it out. Um, 
the the gist really remains, Darren, that I talked to this person. This person's very convinced that he's going to Notre Dame. Talk to this person. Very convinced it's Oklahoma. Hmm. And I haven't talked to many people on the Texas A&M side, but I'm sure those people think he's destined to play for the Aggies. So I, there was a lot of good tidbits that I was able to pick up, um, but the gist remains that no one really knows. I mean, even folks close to him, you know, don't seem to be very sure. You know, I don't think Peyton by any stretch has made up his mind. So very important for Notre Dame to keep – um, this young man locked in, and I don't know if you can believe this, Darren, but signing day is two and a half months away. So still, you know, that's 10 weeks to keep him committed. But you know, So that's a long time, but also it's just right around the corner. So Notre Dame is to continue to battle, understanding he's visiting for the Clemson-Notre Dame game. That will be huge to get him back on campus. The fact is he has not closed all other avenues means there is still – the possibility. I've learned that from you. Never say never. D- Darren, I'm sorry. I forgot your, your, That's your okay. two-parter there. I'm not as good as some of these coaches and press conferences remembering the, the two-parters. Oh, yes, you are. The impact, <laughs> of Freeman, the, the impact of Freeman and O'Leary being there, I mean, look, it's, it's still that bump rule where, you know, they're not really allowed to talk or anything. So, you know, it's not like those two were able to sit down at halftime or before the game and chat it up or anything like that. Freeman and O'Leary also left at halftime, and as much as I would have loved to go get wings and beers with those guys, <laughs> um, they, they went back to South Bend, um, and I got Whataburger, which was fantastic, um, but that's a different discussion for a different day. Um, it, it, it's, it's really just a – it's an action speak louder than words thing. Like, you can tell a player how bad you want them, but to actually show up on that Friday night – Notre Dame could have been anywhere. They're, they're, Marcus Freeman could have been – how bad does Notre Dame need a 2023 quarterback? Freeman could have been seen some 2023 quarterback or anywhere else in the country, but he chose Peyton Bowen's game. So I think that kind of shows Peyton how bad that the Irish do want him. Mike Singer, Notre Dame football recruiting insider, Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. Can I ask one question about Las Vegas? Notre Dame is going there to take on BYU. On Monday, during Marcus Freeman's weekly press conference, he mentioned that he believes that some recruits can come to the game, but there can be no communication. So the fact that it is a neutral site game, it's a Notre Dame home game, even though it's in Vegas, some recruits can come and watch the game? My understanding, and I'll check, I'll have to double check on this, um, and you can maybe follow up with me next week, is that Notre Dame can't provide tickets. Um, like it would be for a game inside Notre Dame Stadium. But just like I can buy a ticket or, you know, a Notre Dame fan or BYU fan can, so, so can a, uh, a recruit. Like I know from, you know, Maryville and Andrian um, in, in Indiana, four-star linebacker commit for the Irish. He's, he's going. I believe Jaden Greathouse, the four-star receiver from Texas, committed to Notre Dame is going. So my understanding is that it's more the commits. Um, that is something I, I am following up on, and we'll have an article at bloomgold.com for the, the Notre Dame recruits who are expected in Vegas. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's not like a visit weekend or right. anything like that, as cool as that would be if Notre Dame was able to you know, put up the recruits in, in a hotel in Vegas and you know, take them out on the strip. I don't know what you'd think a 17-year-old to do on the strip. 
Um, but yeah, nothing like that there. Now I know how Jerry Tarkanian and ULV got really good in basketball in the 1990s if their recruiting was kind of like that. All right, switching gears dramatically now. Uh, Notre Dame has offered a couple of players recently. Mike, let me ask you about these players. First off, a running back, Kyron Jones. Now he's committed to North Carolina State. The interest in Kyron Jones offers some thoughts on that and what another running back would do to the Notre Dame running back class in the future. There's, there's so much to unpack with running back recruiting. Yeah. And um, on Monday, I did post that gold standard article, and I have all of the latest kind of scoop. So we won't be able to cover all of that on our um, on our interview today, Darren, but would, would urge folks to head to blueandgold.com and check it out. Again, article titled The Gold Standard. So Notre Dame offered Kyron Jones last Wednesday. Jones committed to North Carolina State just a couple days later, Saturday morning before the Wolfpack kicked off against um, – several hours before they kicked off against Clemson. So my understanding is that Jones, unless Jones is still very interested in Notre Dame, which I, I think he's – you know, I think he turned down Notre Dame, but I still want to mention this because it did kind of show a shift of Notre Dame's being very aggressive at running back. They offered this young man, he's committed to North Carolina State, but, you know, we're just kind of looking at these varying factors. Notre Dame also offered another athlete who you asked me about next, Darren, um, Brandon Hillman. He's someone who could potentially play um, running back. Uh, Jeremiah Love, they're still in the mix for. Jade Lamar, uh, a running back from Washington, he's visiting some other schools in the Pac-12 here lately. So I, I like the offer. Even though Notre Dame didn't get Chris Jones, um, I like the offer because they're being aggressive. If Let's just say Notre Dame doesn't feel great about Jeremiah Love and you have Jade Lamar taking these other visits. Go get yourself in the running for a plan B option or a backup, whatever you want to call it. Remember what happened at receiver last year, Darren Notre Dame needed three or four bodies and they ended up with one. Don't allow that to happen again. And and they're trying to avoid that. So let me ask this for the novice recruiting fan. You say they need to be aggressive. Does that mean they were not aggressive early on in the process or now where they stand, they have to really put the pedal to the metal. I would say the latter because of the circumstance. Um, you know, again, I don't want to give away too much um, from that gold standard yep. article, but Jeremiah Love's recruitment has gone back and forth a little bit between some of his finalists. So, again, considering multiple options, you just want to have some cover for yourself, Darren. I mean, that that that's – I don't know if, like, hedging your bet is, is kind of the right word. But, you know, it's kind of along those lines just protecting yourself just in case some things were to happen as well as Jones being a darn good player. You mentioned Hillman as another guy that Notre Dame has offered. He's listed as an athlete. Do you see him uh, locking in in any particular position at Notre Dame or is that something the Irish will worry about down the road? Yeah, it's very much up in the air. I was told that if Notre Dame lands this young man, that Tommy Reese and Al Golden are going to have to sit alone in a room and, and, uh, you know, fight un- un- until blood is drawn. I'm, I'm joking, <laughs> but you know, seriously, they're, they're going to have to figure that out. Um, so, Darren, recruitment is fascinating. Before um, we jumped on this interview, I, I actually got to uh, interview him about the offer. He got his 
first scholarship offer from Norfolk State last uh, during the summer, just a few months ago. Going into your senior year, you get one scholarship offer, um, and, and I hope my memory is serving correctly on, on this. That's, so that's not a good sign, right? You're, 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 you're a fringe FCS right. prospect at that point. And then he goes on a run of picking up like eight offers in just a couple of days. I also talked to his coach on Monday, and he told me that, um, look, this young man, all of his tape at the high school level is just quarterback. He started to play a little bit more safety and put out some highlights of him at safety, and then his offer list kind of blew up. Virginia, Tennessee, Kentucky, oh. Notre Dame uh, being a big one. That's just a few of them. Um, so Notre Dame is recruiting him as someone who could play on either side of the ball. Personally, I think it's the best upside that safety, um, but whether it's running back, receiver, one Notre Dame source told me that the staff could see him playing wildcat quarterback. Again, you could see him in the secondary. So listed at 6'1", 190. Who knows? Does he gain 20 pounds and now he's a rover? Like this young man, the, um, you know, the uh, – potential is, is just through the roof and um, someone who I'm, I'm liking where Notre Dame's at he's officially visiting for the Stanford game um, so I, I am leaning towards thinking the Irish are going to win this recruitment there so the classic raw talent that changes positions that doesn't have much experience at his new position but you look at the raw abilities the athleticism and all of a sudden you can see schools translating him into being possibly this player down the line once they get their hands on them. It's, that's that's you know who that sounds like. You know who that sounds like, Darren? Joe Alt. A tight end who people said, you know, I see that he, he can block a little bit at the tight end, so I think he'd be an offensive tackle. I'm not gonna say Brandon Hillman's gonna start games as a true freshman, but you know, just the kind I think the point remains that like just don't judge a book by its cover. Notre Dame offered this kid when I don't know. None of the sites had him ranked. Wow. Not many offers at all at that point. Um, and, um, yeah, Notre Dame source called him a freak show, which is a good thing. Wow. Um, if I called my wife a freak show, that would not be a compliment. But this, um, you know, young man, um, you know, he, he's a freakish athlete. You know, I, I don't see him as a quarterback at the next level, Darren. Um, but – I don't know. You pop on his tape, he can chuck around a little bit. Interesting. Well, since we're good friends now, I know the guy that's the leader of the Joe Alt fan club. I'll introduce you guys. I think you'll get along very, very well. <laughs> that sounds great. Hey, Aaron. we got to bring up Pat Garrity, one of the great Notre Dame basketball players. I think his last year at Notre Dame, he averaged about 24 points per game. And truly a guy, when you think of Notre Dame basketball, Pat Garrity's name comes to mind. Well, he's got a son that I understand that's a tight end named Henry Garrity. Any chance there could be another Garrity coming to Notre Dame? Absolutely, and there will be, because um, over the weekend he announced that uh, he'd be a preferred walk-on for the Fighting Irish. So listed at about 6'4", 205, I'm told you know, he, he's you know, more in the 220-pound range. So pick Notre Dame as a PWO over the likes of Eastern Michigan, Central Michigan, and Illinois State scholarship offers. So that's always something you want to get is those quality PWOs, um, again, preferred walk-ons who held, you know, that could be playing at a group of five school, could be playing in the MAC. How often do you see a player go to the MAC and you're like, man, Notre Dame could have had that kid easily. So now you get a preferred walk-on. 
um, you know, with those neck offers who could be that type of player. Look at Davis Sherwood played what I want to say around 15, 20 snaps um, against North Carolina. He, that was a walk on um, who held some plenty of group of five offers um, in FCS schools when he was a recruit back in, I want to say the 2020 or 2021 class. So um, yeah, you, you, you know, don't, don't discount this young man and, Obviously, he's got a great bloodline, and he bleeds blue and gold. So I think that's kind of an under-the-radar exciting pickup for Notre Dame. What's the advantage of being a preferred walk-on as a student-athlete? My understanding of it, Darren, is basically you're, you're guaranteed a roster spot. You know, like okay. you, you're, you're, you're going to play on this football team rather than trying out, um, essentially. That's my understanding, Darren. Okay. Interesting to give up those scholarship offers, but obviously there's also a history of the Garrity family at Notre Dame, so that's really exciting news for that particular family. It's been kind of quiet with Notre Dame football recruiting for a little while now, and we're two and a half months away from National Signing Day, but I'm sure there's still going to be plenty of twists and turns, Mike, that you're going to be talking about over the next couple of months. And to make sure everybody knows about those twists and turns, they need to be a part of the blueandgold.com family. And Darren, recruiting starting to pick up a little bit okay. more. I'm not going to lie. You know, every Tuesday morning when we touch base on for this interview, I'm thinking to myself, oh, my gosh, what are we going to talk about? Because it was just slow. Um, but it's picking up now, this running back stuff, um, you know, big visit weekend. Stanford should be pretty big. Clemson will be massive. Um, so it's going to be exciting these next couple months up until signing day, um, not only with 2023, but the 2024 class starts getting some 2025 offers to go out. So it'll, it'll be good to follow head to blue and gold.com. Um, and again, as we were recording this during that $1 for one year deal is going, or it's still going, but I can't guarantee it's going to be going on much longer. Great job as always. Thanks for giving my voice a break. I appreciate that. And we'll do it again next week. All right. Sounds good. Thank you, Darren. That's Mike Singer, Notre Dame football recruiting insider, Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com, on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. In time. Show me the money. <laughs> we go with Sizzler. <laughs> we go with Sizzler. We wrap up the program with our sports wagering segment, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Darren Pritchett with you. And I went into last night's suggestions, admitting wasn't comfortable with the Monday night game, real life, not touching it. But on the show, I got to make picks, and obviously I made some wrong picks. Last night with the Monday night game, I went Rams plus two, Rams on the money line. Both of those were defeats. <laughs> This third suggestion was looking good until Matthew Stafford throwing the pick six. I had under 21 and a half total points for the 49ers, and that pick six put them over at 24. The one suggestion I got right, under 42 total points in the game, 33 points were scored. Niners won 24 to nine. So unfortunately for tonight, we are basically stuck with picking games that really don't mean a whole lot for the most part 
in the postseason. Some of these games are coin flips. You don't know who's going to play, who's going to start. So definitely take these with a grain of salt as we try to come up with a couple of winners as we take a look at some baseball picks. I am going to go with the Atlanta Braves, who have something to play for, trying to clinch the division title tonight at Miami. I'm doing a two-team parlay with Atlanta and the Astros over the Phillies. That two-team parlay is plus 134, so we'll go Braves-Astros. I've got Tampa Bay on the money line at Boston at minus 120. I'm taking the Diamondbacks on the money line at Milwaukee, who got eliminated last night from postseason consideration at minus 120. And I'm taking the Pirates on the money line at home against St. Louis at plus 115. Sports be brought to you by Budweiser, by South Bend Orthopedics, Midland Engineering Company, Four Winds Casinos, Tim Growl, State Farm Insurance, the Mishawaka Education Foundation, Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, Legacy Heating and Air, the Food Bank of Northern Indiana, and Pet Refuge. Enjoy the rest of your evening. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm back tomorrow at 5 o'clock on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 